What is going on, friends and fans? Another big show to end up, to wrap up 2021. We've got listener questions. Mike Obert from Open Look Business Solutions is going to join us and answer questions from Chris, Rex, and Linda. Chris is wanting to know how to better use the CRM or, more importantly, get the reps to use it. Rex is a veteran seller feeling a little left out out in San Diego. We'll get to your question here, Rex, in a couple minutes. Linda from Minneapolis, St. Paul. She wants to role play but doesn't want to role play, wants to know what the best practices are for role playing. Okay, Linda, we got an answer for you coming up. Charity's going to be here from January spring with digital ad strategies. I mentioned Mike from Open Look to answer your listener questions. And then what I want to dig in on is what can we do, friends, out there in sales land to set ourselves up for success in 2022? Like, how do we end this year strong and don't let the rest of the year go to waste? All right, friends, stick around straight ahead. More great stuff. Here we go. From the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans, thanks so much for being a part of the show. We've got uh, listener questions, like we mentioned, Chris, Rex, Linda. We'll get to all your questions. Charity Huff with some digital ad sales strategy. I'm gonna, I'm going to um, throw a little scenario out to Charity, so we'll see what she thinks about that. <laughs> Here, in just a couple seconds. And then, uh, crew, if you can get uh, also get uh, Mike Obert from Open Look dialed in to answer these listener questions, uh, that'd be great. All right, what I want to dig in on is just really what can we do as salespeople to set ourselves up for success in 2022? This whole redefining insanity, like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, it's super common amongst the people that I coach and the people that I train. I think it's because... Your mom or your grandma or somebody said, if you work hard enough, you can do anything. And I'm not saying that your grandma or your mom is telling you a fib. I'm just saying that if you do the wrong things um, over and over again, you're you're probably not going to get the results that you desire. So let me give you 10 quick hits of things that I feel you could do in 2022 to be even more successful than you were in 2021 or take you from good to great or great to superstar. And I want you to pick one of these ideas, okay? The first thing I'd love for you to try is presenting options and recommendations on that first meeting. So I've said this before in the past, but I want to reinforce this simple fact. The conversion rate is 70% higher when you recommend a product. A a full 60% of people make decisions based on FOMO, the fear of, of missing out. So why is it that so many of us as salespeople always feel like we have to go on a discovery meeting. Well, my boss told me I had to. Okay. And then you leave that meeting to create a customized solution. Why do you always feel like you have to do that? In some instances, I get it. This specialization that you're trying to bring in front of your customers, I get it. But it's hard enough to get a meeting as it is. Much less have a meeting, go to discovery, leave the meeting to create a proposal, come back and track the person down to present the proposal, then have another meeting after they have to think about it. I've got three meetings in play there. It's hard enough to get that one meeting. So I'm just suggesting to you that in some cases, you should move into more transactional mode because I'm noticing a lot of my younger buyers are kind of like this. How much is it? Who else has done it? Okay, how much is it? They've already done the majority of the research before I even got on the sales call. So you've got to be asking yourself, are there circumstances when I can move into transactional mode? And I say there are a lot of circumstances, especially 
depending upon the buyer. Number two of 10, using research to your advantage. I don't think we do it enough. If you want to move from the transactional selling that has been really necessary during uh, the pandemic raged buyers seasons that's out there to more relationship selling, then we need a lot more research. But if we're going to be transactional, it doesn't mean we don't do any research. We do because we have to connect faster in a transactional selling environment. If you're going to stick with deep discovery, building relationships, cool, research is important as well. In my sales training, what I share a lot is using tools like LinkedIn, using LinkedIn Sales Navigator, using the Chrome extension Crystal Nose, one of my favorites, crystalnose.com, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, crystalnose.com. It's a, it's a website um, that scans and, and absorbs and brings in social media posts. It brings in LinkedIn posts. It brings in all different types of blogs and articles and creates a personality profile on your customers that are on LinkedIn. And it's a Chrome extension you can use. So when you're on LinkedIn, it's going to pop up. Now you do have to pay for it, um, but I think it's a great service. And so the extension syncs with LinkedIn when you're in Chrome to pull up his, uh, personality profiles and traits of the people you're looking at or you're talking to. This tool, is it's not free. It's not expensive. And I use it all of the time. Crystalnose.com out there. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, you're welcome for that uh, for that plug. Now come buy a sponsorship, would you? <laughs> so I'm using research to connect more deeply, whether I'm transactional selling or I'm relationship selling. I, I think there's this, I like to call it quick trust. And building quick trust, you've got like five to 10 seconds to build quick trust. Okay, let me give you an example and then I'll move on. So it was about a week ago, I was uh, working with a prospect. I noticed on their LinkedIn profile, they currently live in New York, been there many times. I've got lots of great stories to share so we can connect there. But... I also noticed they went to the University of South Carolina, one hour down the road from me. I happen to be a season ticket holder of football, big um, college football fan. I said to the person that jumped on the Zoom call, and, and I said, hey, uh, uh, Tiffany, I just have a real quick question before we get started. She's like, okay, sure. I said, I saw on your LinkedIn profile um, before we started uh, to do some research before our call, and I'm just curious, are you a Gamecock? And she said, Yes, I am. I said, I saw that on LinkedIn. I'm a t season ticket holder. And she's like, oh, my gosh, that's great. You know, so we had this great connection to talk about our football team doing better, you know, but still not quite, uh, you know, being the winning team we wanted to be. But I've also had connections with people from oh, from Hawaii because of my travels. Great connection. I had a sales call with a guy from Copenhagen, been there on business, talked about that. I grew up in the Midwest, Chicago, Iowa, Illinois, Midwestern stuff, you know, that kind of thing. So there's all kinds of ways to connect and build that quick trust. And that's why that is idea number two, using research, whether you're transactional um, or you're more of a relationship seller. Number three of 10, asking better questions. Here's what I want to say on this note, rather than give you a bunch of questions to ask. Are the questions that you ask on a regular basis on your sales calls the same questions that your clients have been asked by your competitors? Can you be better? Can you do something different? For example, rather than, so I sell a lot of advertising and sponsorships, rather than asking what's your budget, okay, I a lot of times like to ask to them, I'll say, so when you think about, you know, your marketing plans, do you want to be dominant? Do you want to be competitive or do you want to dip your toe in the water? Well, I want to be competitive. Great. That's going to cost X. So I can guide them right to where their budget needs to be because they're living in their own reality, right? Um, so I also like to ask this question. When you agreed to be, meet with me, okay, what business challenge were you hoping I could solve? Now, some of you are thinking, well, how do they know? Because they don't know your product yet. You've not had an opportunity to do deep discovery. Okay, think about it, friends. 
Research tells us that 80% of the research by a prospect is done before they agree to meet with you. Okay, they already know about you. <laughs> they already know about your company. They already know about your offerings. They're only agreeing to meet with you so that you can complete the last mile for them. So it's called the last mile. They've already run the race. They're looking for your help on the last mile to finish the race. So uh, to end number three, point number three is ask yourself, are the questions I'm asking, are these the same questions that my competition is probably asking? If so, then do something different. All right. Idea four, get prepared for budget delays. COVID threw us into delay land like never before. And guess what? We're still in the land of budget delays. So just get prepared for that. Number five, I want you to consider revamping your proposals. I've seen a lot of them. They're terrible. So we've got to think about revamping these proposals. Let me give you a couple of tidbits. All right. So from our research, what we found um, from the sales training world, we found that when we looked at 1,200 pages of 100 different proposals, we found that 79% of our test users scanned the proposal, only 16% read. Okay. So when you think about what you've done with your proposals, I'm going to suggest to you that you could cut 50% of your text, replace it with graphics, replace it with pictures. You'll be a lot further ahead. Okay, so it's important. Remove about 50% of that text. Now, number six also relates to proposals, six of 10, giving more than one pricing option. So what we found is that nearly every successful business proposal we evaluated that closed deals greater than 50% of the time it had three pricing options, a good, better, best, gold, silver, bronze, or whatever. Now, here's what you want to do. You want to create the middle proposal. The middle price is the one they're probably going to buy. So when you give three pricing options, design that middle pricing option, that that's probably going to be the one that they're probably going to buy. So just think about that. So five and six of our 10 together is one, five, revamp the proposal, eliminate half the text, replace with pictures and graphics. Number six of 10, though, is give three pricing options. So the vast majority of the proposals that closed deals well over 50% had three pricing options. Okay, number seven of 10. Get really specific about your after-proposal follow-up plan. So, all right, you're on a meeting. And remember now, I'm suggesting you go with a proposal. Don't be afraid to ask for the order. And you've gone and they're ready to sell, but they're ready to buy, rather. But they are like, hey, I need to think about this. So what I want to do is I want them to only have about 48 hours because after 48 hours, you're going to lose interest. So I'll say, okay, in an effort for me not to lose track of you, you not to lose track of me, let's just set a quick follow-up on our calendar within the next couple of days. Five minutes is all that I need. Now, remember back to your previous training with me, friends. When I set a follow-up call, it's just 15 minutes on the calendar. It looks like a sliver of time. Don't set up follow-up meetings to be 60 minutes. Nobody needs 60 minutes, nor do they have 60 minutes. So you just want to think about that. Get very specific about your follow-up plan. Okay, number eight of 10, as we look to be better in 2022, talk about how much you love your clients. See, there's this thought like, I can't talk about one client to another client. That is malarkey, friends. That is not true. Talk about how much you love your clients to your other clients. People love it when they hear genuine, authentic, like, I really love this client. This is what we did for them. I've got a great relationship with them. They want to hear about how you've helped others because nobody wants to have a relationship with like a customer service person. So that's why a lot of you, I'm going to offend some people now, by the way, a lot of you, you sell, the salespeople sell, salesperson leaves the, the, leaves the room, leaves the building and CST takes up. The customer service team takes over. 
I just find that not if, if I have to resell them, I need to continue on with my relationship, right? So figure that out. There's got to be a lot of love that's shared. And I think that, that uh, sharing that love is important. All right, nine of 10. If you're going to be better in 2022, you've got to get really crystal clear with people on what is their path to making a decision. So I'm meeting with you, Sally. Awesome. All right, what is the path in your company for making a decision? If you like us, you're ready to go with us. What does that decision path look like? Because I want to be respectful of that path. I don't want to bother you if it's somebody else or you tell me how the path works and I want to be respectful of that path. Get really clear on that decision-making path. See, sometimes I've already sold Sally. She's great, but she's got to go to Bob and Bob's an old curmudgeon. Well, okay, what does Bob need? Does Bob need a video? Do you want me to record what we just talked about in a video format for Bob? Do you need a different PowerPoint, other sheets? Do you need a cake, cookies? I mean, what do you need to go on to Bob? Get clear on that path. See, when I'm really clear on the path, then I'm always closing more deals. Now, a lot of sales trainers out there, I respect them all. They'll say, never meet with somebody that's not the decision maker. Well, come on. I mean, of course, if I can meet with a decision maker, I'm going to. But I would have 50% less meetings if I didn't meet with liaisons. It just is what it is. So I can't say that. I have to say, prepare the liaison to the fullest. Give them what they need to get the decision done and get clear on the path of making the decision. All right, last but not least, you know, how to deal with somebody when the answer is no. Now, there's a lot of books like no is the first yes. All right, whatever. Those people are not selling anymore, okay? <laughs> it's important for you to recognize that I'm selling every day just like all of you. If someone says no, it just means not right now in my book. So I don't want to jump back on somebody like they say no. Well, let me ask you about your no decision. You know, it's, okay, if it's a no, it's a no. We'll work together at some point. See, it's hard enough to get meetings, much less jump down their throat to sell them something. It's like, come on. It just, it doesn't make sense. Be respectful of the no. You'll sell them at some point. It is okay. You're not losing the deal. You're setting yourself up for future success. Because if somebody says no, and I go into the, well, you know what you're saying no to today. Somebody else was thinking about yesterday. You know, those type of techniques. Come on, friends. People aren't going to respond well to that. They're going to think you're a typical salesperson. And because of that, they're not going to take your call in the future. So, Think about this. What's one of the 10 things we talked about that you can sink your teeth into? How about understanding and recognizing, number one, when things are transactional and when you can sell transactionally and be willing to move between somebody that's discovery-based and somebody that's transactional-based. Just be prepared for that. Somebody that's ready to buy transactionally, don't sell them the way that you would sell somebody that wants to have a relationship. Ask a lot of questions. Be smart. Recognize when you've got a, a fish on the line that's ready to bite and, and take the bait. Number two, get great with research. Look at Crystal Nose. Get better with LinkedIn. You know, get better at research. Number three, ask better questions. Are you asking the same ones you've asked forever? Change them up in 2022. Number four, delays are real. COVID really made the delays even worse. Delays are just real, so get ready for it. How about revamping your proposal? The fifth idea I gave to you. Maybe eliminating text, replacing with pictures. How about idea number six? Giving one, giving three pricing options rather than one. 50% better close rate with three pricing options. Come on! If you could take a 50-50 bet, I'd do it all day long. Because in the end, it's 50-50. It's going to work out. Number seven for you. Getting very specific about what the proposal follow-up plan looks like. What, is it, what does it look like? Number eight, sharing how much you love your customers. Talking openly. 
about your customers, ethically, obviously, and openly. Number nine, what's the decision-making path? Get clear on the path. And once you get clear on the path, then all of a sudden what you've got is you've got the ability to be respectful of that path. And then number 10, if the answer is no, the answer is no. Be respectful. I mean, I don't know about you. I'd rather get a yes, but I'd rather get a no than be ghosted, right? So here would be my challenge to you, okay? My challenge is there's 10 ideas. How about pick one? Sink your teeth into it. And, and rather than do a, a New Year's resolution that you're not going to meet, sink your teeth into one of these and impact your sales life for a year. And if you get through with one, then do two, then do three. But pick one, sink your teeth into it, get committed to it, and do it. Just do it. You can do it. Friends, remember, I say it all the time, and I'll say it again at the end of the podcast. If sales was easy, everybody would be doing it. And they're not. I mean, I used to say we're crazy. We're not crazy. I mean, we kind of are, but we're not crazy. We're the chosen few. And friends, we found careers that will feed our families for a lifetime. I've been broke before. I've been broke three or four times. And it wasn't my rich uncle that bailed me out. I probably could have asked. He would have done it. It was sales. Sales bailed me out. Sales got me to where I am. I eat where I want. I drive what I want. I travel where I want because of sales. And you can do it too. 2022, new year, new you, friends. And I believe in you, but do you believe in yourself? Find one of those ideas, put it into practice. I believe you can take your sales life to places you never dreamed possible. All right, we got great advice from Charity Huff. I'm going to give her a surprise scenario. I'm going to surprise her here in a second. Um, hopefully she didn't hear that. And uh, see what she has to say to my question. And then Mike Obert from Texas, Open Look Business Solutions. He'll join us to answer your listener questions. Hey, you know, I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach if I didn't have a few sponsors. So would you do me a favor let me feed my family here and give me 45 seconds to pay some bills? We'll be right back. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by the strategy and design team at Web Publisher Pro. When it's time for your media company to have a top-notch website that is designed for optimal revenue potential, turn to David and the creative team at Web Publisher Pro. Learn more online at webpublisherpro.com. Thank you to the team over at OpenLook Business Solutions. Outsource sales tasks, data cleanup, telemarketing, design tasks, or hire a virtual assistant. Reach out to Mike at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Thank you to the fine folks at January Spring. If you are looking to grow revenue by offering white-label digital services like SEO, social media, or programmatic ads, reach out to Charity over at JanuarySpring.com. Charity loves to strategize about growing revenue. You sell it and January Spring fulfills it. Learn more online at JanuarySpring.com. Okay, now back to the show. Here's your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans, one of my favorite parts of the program is when we dial in Denver's own Charity Huff from January Spring. And uh, Charity, it was great to be out there um, in September, uh, in the fall. But I'm going to guess, have you had snow already? Have you had snow yet out in Denver? The mountains have had snow, which nice. is the way I love it because <laughs> they're beautiful out my back window, right? But then I don't have it to shovel here down in Denver. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, beautiful, beautiful neck of the woods. And I look forward to visiting my, my family out uh, that direction. But hey, so I had this interesting experience I would love to share with you as it relates to our topic today of digital advertising strategies. And then maybe we can use my experience to explain to the listeners 
kind of what occurred. Does that sound, is that cool? Or is that, now, now are you scared? <laughs> yeah, I thought, I'm like, I'm game, I think. <laughs> okay, so here we go. I My lease on my car is going to be up in April. And so I've started the process of kind of looking and figuring out, hey, am I going to go electric or hybrid? Or what am I going to do? So I just, on a whim, because I've never been ever, ever to the Carvana website. I've never been. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go. I see every now and again, I'll see some advertising for it. Yeah, the I, vending I machines, yeah, right? exactly. So I go and I'm on my computer uh, in my office and I'm looking at different models of cars over at Carvana. And I didn't really see exactly what I wanted. And I don't even know that I'm ready for that experience or not. So fast forward just a couple of hours. Um, get done with dinner, sitting, uh, you know, watching a, a television program over on Hulu. And I s- usually see ads for like State Farm insurance. That's the most common thing I see. Jake from State right. Farm, you know. And we're watching a program. I don't remember what it was. And then all of a sudden, boom, what do I start seeing? Carvana ads. And not only Carvana ads, this is on my TV in my living room. Not only Carvana ads, but spooky enough, Carvana ads related to and similar to the vehicles that I was looking at. Like I wasn't looking at trucks, so I didn't see trucks. I saw electric cars and different things that I looked at. So a lot of times people ask me kind of, what is this phenomenon? What's it called? You know, how does it work? So I know that we've got OTT, CTV. So if you can, can you kind of explain how that works? Because I think it's important for all of our listeners to know, okay, how do we explain this sort of, not phenomenon, but how do we explain this strategy from an advertiser's perspective? How do we explain it to our clients? Yeah, I love this. And if you could see, I'm like smiling ear to ear. Because <laughs> it worked, it worked. Because it works, it totally yeah. works. Okay, this is the perfect example of how programmatic advertising works. It's just being applied through your television channels as opposed to mobile phones or display ads. But it's the exact same technology. So what's happening is you're doing the search, you hit Carvana's site, they have a site pixel on their site that says to their programmatic buyer, hey, this device and all the devices in that house, I wanna start serving broadcast ads, if you will. Like that's what OTT CTV is, is it's good old fashioned broadcast kind of commercials only amped up. So it's saying, I know that the laptop is connected to the the same house as this television set. Serve Carvana ads to both of those. And it probably knows that your mobile phone is also connected and your tablet. So you very well could start seeing ads across all of those different devices. That's amazing. And so for, for those that are listening, so if I'm following this correctly, and, and friends, I try to keep up with this, but it still gets a little confusing. So just stay with us here. OTT over the top. That's over the top of a television. So right. what I'm seeing so in my living room. sitting on the couch watching your big screen. OTT. So they served it to me there. Now, it's possible that I'm looking at my iPad or I happen to be on the road streaming on my computer. Right. And that's CTV. That's connected. That's where I'm going to see CTV ads. Right. So I'm logging in and connecting to Hulu or Tubi or your Roku or whatever. Right. All of those types of things in a different way yeah yeah that makes sense and then mobile is going to be different than that so um for for friends that are listening sometimes um people will say oh you get you're always focusing on consumer well i think this dramatically applies to b2b uh as well because let's just say as an example that you're a b2b company and you're in the machinery space let's just say that you deal with heavy equipment there's absolutely no reason that your heavy equipment advertisers couldn't be using this type of programmatic 
to deliver advertising to somebody interested in heavy equipment that's sitting on their television or sitting in front of their television. And right. we can control that. You just need a partner because I've got clients that are trying to do it themselves. And it's like, why are you oh trying to build gosh. the house? You know, you don't this know how is, to build a house. <laughs> this is heavy tech, right? So you've got it. You have to buy all of this type of advertising through a demand side platform. That's what the technology is called. It's the programmatic ad platforms on which January spring buys all of this advertising. So to use your, your analogy, um, we are like the general contractor that's making sure all the parts and pieces are put together exactly as they need to be done. Right. And overseeing and watching all of this, but we're using technology to do all of it. Now on the other side, friends, so what I did is I did a little test. I tried to do some of this on, on my own for, for my business in promoting the niche conference that we'd love for you guys to all come and attend in April in DC. And so I, I set up a third party to, to try this. And then I you know have you, Charity, doing uh, some of the work as well. And what I'm noticing is what you do is so much better because I'm getting overserved and overcharged by the third party provider doing it on my own, much like if I was trying to build a house on my own. I don't have the leverage that you have to get it done. And then I'm also noticing a lot of deficiencies and a lot of overspending. Whereas when I use you to do the exact same thing, I'm noticing better delivery, better click-through rates, better performance, and I don't have to do it, which is a beautiful <laughs> thing in and of itself. Right? You know, okay, so I love where you're headed with this conversation. I was on yesterday with one of our publishers who is um, using all of our toolbox to grow their audience, so an audience development campaign. And we have been running with them for several months and going through their Google Analytics, we can see comparing before our work to after a raise in their direct traffic to their website, to their email signups, to the social mm -hmm. um, responses they're getting. And then that's all organic and earned, right? And then if you look at the paid side, obviously that's where we're chugging and doing our good work. But when you do this right, it always lifts all of your marketing efforts, which is what Carvana and Cadillac and everybody from a national brand understands about programmatic, which is I just need to be really efficient around who I'm trying to reach, why I'm reaching them and reach them across every single channel that they're on their television, their laptop, their mobile, wherever they are, I want Carvana in front of Ryan Dorn so he buys from me. Right, exactly. And and friends, just to be really, so we can just do a nuts to bolts comparison here. I'm looking at the report on my computer now. The same ad, you know, delivered through a third party unassisted was getting a click-through rate of 0.31%. The exact same ad delivered through January spring is doing a 1.12%. So not as, that's not just double, that is almost quadruple, not quite, quadruple the click-through rate. And so I know it may seem like, okay, so, you know, Charity's here and your friends and you're, and you're just, you know, you're trying to sell this. I, I'm really, this is the honest to goodness truth that I believe because I grew up around a builder, my dad's a builder, I could probably build a house, I could probably do it, but I don't know that my wife would want to live in it and I don't know that it's going to stand for the next 30 <laughs> years, right? 
Um, and so that's why I, I love to strategize with you, Charity. And I did the little test, you know, you know, kind of so we could see kind of what the world's got going on out there. And proof is in the pudding, so to speak, uh, when it comes to the when it comes to the end. I'm also noticing that a lot of advertisers are trying to um, they're they're not getting the results they wanted from Facebook. So are you noticing oh. people shifting dollars from Facebook to programmatic? Is that what we should be recommend, recommending right now? Um people are really unhappy with Facebook. Since the changes that Apple made to the types of, you know, everybody had to opt in to share their data with Facebook, 96% of us said, no, Facebook, you have yep. abused our relationship. You don't mm -hmm. get my data anymore. Mm -hmm. And so the targeting, they can't, they don't know when you got a new dog. They don't know what vacation you went on. They don't have any of that data that they used to have. So the performance has dropped dramatically. And what we're seeing is smart sales professionals are making sure that they wade into that conversation to figure out where that budget is going and they're moving it elsewhere. The most obvious place is to move it into programmatic because of the fact that you have all of those targeting capabilities down to a curated audience within a household, right? A la right. Carvana. Um, and so that's what we're seeing, but we just keep telling the sales teams that we work with, ask about the Facebook budget because you want to scoop it up now. And we have the ability to do geofencing and things inside of Facebook that Facebook doesn't have. So at a minimum, we can help them hang on to that budget and put it there. But even better, we probably can redeploy a bit of it and have it work even more efficiently. Yeah, for sure. I, I tell, so all the ad sales reps listening this month, I like to say we can do Facebook better than Facebook does Facebook. And people always are like, huh, how could you even say that? We can say that because I can see it in the delivery. If I go as a business owner and buy Facebook advertising, my performance is lackluster at best. Using the technology that we can gather from people coming to our websites, et cetera, and then remarketing slash retargeting based upon that gives us always, always, we're gonna be in front of better eyeballs. Hey, I think we've got all kinds of, we could talk for a whole hour. Um, just about digital strategy, but I know that um, Charity, you love to strategize with folks. So what's the best way for them to uh, to reach you and, and to learn more about what you guys have going on? We love this. So please do reach out. Uh, JanuarySpring.com is the easiest way to get a hold of us. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and all of those too, but you can just ping us from our website. That's awesome. That's great. Well, um, I hope that you have a great uh, holiday season. Um, in uh, Denver, and um, and we're already gearing up and looking forward to um, having some fun April 6th through 8th in D.C. After the, after the New Year should be a lot of fun as well. My team has their tickets all booked. They are ready <laughs> to go. That's awesome. All right, friends. Well, um, hopefully that's helpful to all of you. I know that it's helpful to me to kind of sort it out and hear other people talk about it. Um, so just really, really thrilled, um, Charity, for your friendship and for your partnership. And uh, friends, reach out because there's some great strategy straight ahead uh, for the year 2022. Bring it on. Absolutely. 2022 is going to be a really, really great year. All right, friends and fans, I'm most excited when we're able to dial in Mike Obert uh, down in Texas, Open Look Business Solutions, open-look.com to answer your listener questions. Hey, let's, we got a question here from Chris uh, from Charlotte, a couple hours up the road uh, from me. So Chris is in a leadership role, and he is having a heck of a time, according to him. Uh, Ryan, I'm having a heck of a time getting my sales reps to use the CRM. What should I do? And so, um, Mike, can I take this one first? Do you mind? Or? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so um, Chris, I think it's, uh, and Mike, I think you would agree with this. It's a very common problem 
um, to have sales reps that don't want to use the CRM. And I, and I would say one of the main reasons that most don't is they use it incorrectly. So most salespeople see a CRM as a step two, not a step one. So what they do is they make their sales calls or whatever, and they do like say 10 calls. And then what they do is then they have to go, then they have to go and make the notes in the CRM that they made that call. So it's a step two type of process. What I'm suggesting is that we retrain them a little bit to recognize it's a step one process. So you actually build lists in your CRM and you actually work from your CRM as opposed to working from another tool and then having to translate that in. Okay. And then the other thing is that whether you're using Windows or a Mac, you go into your CRM where you put the notes in, put your cursor there. On a Mac, you click function, function. That launches your dictation tool. Or you do Windows H on a window on a PC, and that launches your dictation tool. And then you can just dictate your notes into the CRM. So, I mean, if you're so lazy, you can't, like, talk <laughs> into your CRM. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to know what to tell you. But right. that's my thought, Mike, is that most people make it a step, you know, number two. But, but let me ask you this, Mike. From So you, you own a company. So... When you think about owning a company and managing a sales organization, what are the benefits as an owner or as a manager you get when your people do put stuff in the CRM? How's it valuable to you? Yeah, I mean, a couple different things with that is obviously you can track activity, make sure that there's activity out there and what people are, are working on. Secondly is, is you know, people, uh, you know, people leave. So if you've got notes in there on a particular client or customer, it's easy uh, to, to give that to the next sales rep or to the next person. Um, th those are some of the things. It also, you know, the pipeline stages, how many deals am I going to be closing this month? How many deals um, are we just starting to talk to? Kind of what that funnel is uh, mm -hmm. so that you get a good, a good idea of where we stand, uh, how, much, how much revenue we're going to close this month. That's great. I mean, I think it would lead then to another thought on this. Uh, Mike, tell me what you think, and that is, selling the sales rep on the value that using the CRM brings to the company and brings to them. So it's not just like you're trying to look over their shoulder. It's kind of selling them right. on the value of using it. Like, hey, <clears throat> I need you to use it because it's valuable to me, Mike. It's valuable to me. Um, you know, it's valuable to the company. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, and we talked briefly about this. I've had sales reps, some of my best sales reps, um, um, that didn't, that fought it, didn't want to use it. And I just assigned them a sales support person to help them with that. So I, I totally get it and understand that, you know, we, we all want people to be inside the CRM. Uh, but if you do have some outliers or some people that don't want to use it, then I, I gave them help so that they could do what they do best. And that was selling. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And then also recognize that it's, you know, if you've got a veteran seller, like, like myself, it's just not something we did in the very beginning. We kept a lot of notes and notebooks and things like that. We just didn't do it in the beginning. Um, so I, I think it's important, though, to recognize, Chris, that just telling somebody what to do, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> but we are living and working in an environment where telling them what to do is is the first step. But if they're just refusing to do it is just to you know, put them on a performance improvement plan and just say, you don't have to wait until you're going to fire somebody to create a PIP. A performance improvement plan is like every 90 days. Hey, here's three or four things I need you to work on. But the other thing is from a hiring process, make it from day one when you hire new people. Let them know that it's mandatory. Is it, is it um, using yeah. the CRM mandatory at your company, Mike? It is, it is mandatory, yes. yes. And so we're not asking them to do something that's like no one else in the world is asking them to do, you know? 
Right. Um, so I think yes. that's important. So, okay, cool. Chris, I hope that's helpful, uh, you know, to you. Um, next one from Rex. Uh, Rex from San Diego. Always 72 degrees and sunny, according to Ron Burgundy. <laughs> San Diego. Um, Rex is saying, uh, hey, guys, I am older than the average bear. Okay, so Rex, we don't know. I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm just guessing. Let's just pretend that you're over the age of 40. Okay, older than the average bear and feeling a little bit left out uh, in the sales game um, and a little bit behind the uh, behind the times. What should I do? Any advice is appreciated. What do you think, uh, Mike? I was just making fun, by the way, poking fun. Uh, Mike is actually not old. He's 26. Um, so, <laughs> hey, <laughs> Mike, what, <laughs> um, we're both. We've both been selling a while for 30 plus years. So what do you do? To, what are some yep. things you try to do to kind of keep up with the you know, with the latest trends and stuff like that. Technology is probably, you know, one of the keys of understanding your technology, uh, how you can work your technology into mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. either your sales pitch or what you're doing. But, um, I think that's, uh, I mean, I think that's something I think we all kind of struggle with, but, uh, trying to be, uh, relate to whoever you're selling to, um, sharing your experience. Uh, if you're a, a an older salesperson, then you probably have more experience in different things uh, that you can share with the media buyers or the people that are buying your product. Yeah, it makes sense. And, be, and you'll be patient more than anything because it's it's possible you're going to come across as a bit of a know-it-all um, because you've been there and done that. And you want to be careful about that. So I, I, I use phrases right. like, I'll say, um, Mike, you probably already know this, but, or Mike, I'm sure you're aware of this, you know, but, and then I'll, so it just, it basically, so I don't come across as being condescending. It's like I'm acknowledging that they probably already know this, even though, quite honestly, they may not. Um, it's right. acknowledging that, hey, you may already know this, so I'm not talking down you know, to them. But then the other thing is one of the reasons that I love you know, the niche conferences and the media sales academies we do and, and stuff like that is you, you attend conferences and webinars, et cetera, to kind of keep up you know, with, the, with, with the times. I know, Mike, you know, you've had some experiences where you've been like at niche conference. We go to other shows together where we kind of look at each other and we're like, oh, my gosh, did you know about that? And somebody will say, oh, it's been out for six months. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Um, and, and that, you know, uh, networking with other salespeople um, has helped with that as well, uh, of learning different uh, techniques and practices, uh, which I get at those uh, webinars and seminars as well. Yeah, and Rex, don't be, don't say things like, "Well, back in the day, you know, you don't, don't say things like that." Um, we you, walked to school. Yeah, in back the in snow. Yeah, you, know, you young, just avoid terms like you young whippersnappers. You know, watch, watch out for that. So, uh, last go. question: uh, Linda from Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul, asking about the best ways to practice. Here's uh, what she has to say: uh, Hey, Ryan and Mike, I um, am not a big fan of role playing, but I feel like I need to practice uh, what it is that I'm selling on a regular basis. Any best practices for ways to uh, practice? So, um, Mike, I know you guys do some role playing. What do you uh, What do you do at your company? How do you kind of handle it? Yeah, we we do a lot of role playing. Um, a couple of things that, that are the tricks that we do is one, any type of intro. Uh, I want my people to to have that somewhat memorized so that they're not thinking exactly what they're going to say, that it just kind of rolls off. Um, but then we get into specific objections and we'll role play as a team. Um, and I'm right there in there with them of role playing of things that I think I might say, uh, listen to what they're going to say. So um, I always, you know, a graphic designer, let's say, is always going to have somebody pointing over uh, their shoulder, giving them feedback and telling right. them what they like or don't like. <clears throat> let's face it, salespeople don't. I mean, we go through our sales calls and nobody really hears 100% of our sales calls and there's no coaching going on. So anytime that you can get that role playing 
anytime you can talk to uh, other sales uh, people in your organization, get their tips, uh, tell them what they're saying. Don't be shy. Don't be shy doing it. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Now, one of the things about role playing where it goes sideways, in my opinion, is people make it a joke and they say, so the person that's playing your client, that person kind of acts goofy, you know, like they'll say stupid, silly things that no one would ever say. So what I would encourage you to consider is kind of scripting it out. And in football, we would call it blocking and tackling. So walking through the play one step at a time and take it slow. Use your iPhone. I love setting the iPhone next to my computer, um, recording conversations for my own benefit, obviously. Um, and uh, taking it on a meeting, put my phone in my lap and hit record so I can listen back you know, to it. If you're doing stuff on Zoom, it's pretty common for those meetings to be recorded so that you could come back. But Mike, one of the best things that I ever did was opening myself up to criticism. And Mike's known me a long time. That's hard for me yeah. to take criticism. It just is because I feel like I'm pretty good at what I do. It's hard. But when I really opened myself up to criticism and quit getting it, letting it bother me, Mike, I really grew. Um, I really grew a lot over a five or six year period of time because I was so open to criticism. Have you yeah. ever experienced something like that or seen that? Oh, yeah. Besides I, I can me. see. Yeah, no, no, I can see people on our team all the time that are, you know, at first when you start role playing with them that they giggle or like you said they're they're shy about what they're going to say but the people that are taking it serious i can you can really see not only in their uh their confidence of what, what they're selling but also you know ultimately in their performance yeah yeah and, you know there's a couple pharmaceutical companies that have been accused of role-playing to a point of people passing out because they don't want you to do it your way they want you to do it their way and there's a reason that football teams basketball teams sports teams practice the marching band practices um you're in a play you practice but if you go yeah. back to the foundation of a theater program, a musical program, or a football game, you're, it's all going to go back to plays that are written out, a script that's written out, music that's written out. And the reason you get good at it is practice. Here's one of the things. I feel like a lot of salespeople just aren't practiced. Like, you don't practice. Well, I'm great right. in front of my clients. Okay, well, are you? <laughs> right. Because if you won't practice with me, I like you. If you won't practice yeah. with me, you know, I don't know what you're you know, going to do in front of the... Yeah. You know, yeah, no, no, I like to give my people three to five accounts and say, okay... Here's three to five accounts. I want you to go research these accounts. And then later this afternoon, come back and pitch me. Tell me, how are you going to pitch these people? What's your, you know, what's your hooks? How are you going to get them in? 100% agree on the practice. Sports teams practice, musicians practice. Uh, why can't salespeople practice? Yeah, it's, I mean, they say that you need, I don't remember who it was, like 10,000 hours of something to become a master at that. And so if you yeah. really kind of look back at what you're really good at, do you have you spent more than 10,000 hours on it? I mean, I feel like I'd be I'm not going to have any more kids, but I feel like I'd be a really great parent because I've got so many hours <laughs> of practice, you know, uh, driving cars, all that different kind of stuff. So good yeah. questions uh, from Linda, uh, Rex and Chris. And uh, we love answering your questions, friends. So send them in Ryan at Ryan Dorn dot com. D-O-H-R-N. Ryan at ryandorn.com and uh, we've got already got some questions for next month from jack and a couple other people so uh, mike what are projects you guys working mm -hmm. on uh at open look i know that uh you're doing uh, i've got my virtual assistant through you which has been uh which has been really great uh what do you what do you spend a lot of time on uh we've got so much going on right now we've got a lot of virtual employees that are out there people doing social media management uh tech support we've got people doing customer service uh admin assistants, people that are helping build lists, put notes in, graphic design work. So yeah, our plate's pretty full. That's great. I, I'm just to share with you, Mike, you may not, not even know this um, because 
Um, I just don't clear all my work through you all the time. <laughs> I had like 35 spreadsheets that I needed to put into one and every spreadsheet had a different column on it. <laughs> and so um, I sent off these 30 some spreadsheets. And of course I needed to give people time to get it done. But 48 hours later, I had one combined sheet and all the columns made sense. And, and I asked, you know, how'd you do that? And there's some shortcuts that they know and things like that. But it's that type of work um, where these folks really shine and can just, that would have taken me four or five hours to do maybe or more right and so yeah. it's, you know all that kind of stuff it's just get some help and it's affordable and it's a way to oh, yeah. you know, to grow you to grow your, uh, grow your business it yeah it's all about getting your time back um and stuff like that that you're talking about that you can get your time back is you know will help your uh your company or you know whatever you're doing grow yeah for sure all right friends mike Gilbert from open look business solutions mike thanks so much for uh dialing in and Thanks, answering Ryan. these listener questions so uh in my a very, favorite time of the month yeah I talking with you i appreciate that and uh, by the way very merry at christmas to uh, uh to you and, and happy holidays yeah happy holidays to you ryan all right happy holidays merry christmas happy kwanzaa uh you name it how are you however you celebrate or don't celebrate the holidays uh we wish you all the best in 2022 and uh from the uh, cast and crew here at Brainswell media and specifically uh my family we sure thank you for your support all throughout the year. We do what we do because of great folks uh, like you. This holiday season, uh, we are not sending out client gifts. Instead, we are donating uh, to the Golden Harvest Food Bank. And I would encourage you to uh, do the same. So we normally send out uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $5,000 in client gifts. And all those clients are getting notifications that we're taking all of that money on their behalf and donating that to the Golden Harvest Food Bank. And so I would encourage you and your company, you yourself, uh, to do something similar. Give to those that are really in desperate need uh, of our help. We don't want anyone to go hungry and without food uh, here in this cold time of year and specifically around uh, the holiday season. Hey, if I can be of help to you, love to speak at your national sales meetings and uh, things like that. Head over to RyanDorn.com, D-O-H-R-N, RyanDorn.com. If you're in the media business, head over to 360AdSales.com. That's where the blog is and the podcast and things like that. And, and uh, let me just end with this. I do what I do every year because I truly and deeply enjoy helping people. That's why I do what I do. Sure, the money's good, and I appreciate being paid for what I do, but I really, truly enjoy helping people just like you. And I want to see your sales life go to places that you only dreamed possible. 2022 is going to be a great year. New year, new you, friends. And I thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. All right, RyanDorn.com, 360AdSales.com. We'll see you in 2022. And don't forget, if ad sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not. So you found a career that'll feed your family for a lifetime. We'll see you next month in 2022.